lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. All right, welcome back to the podcast today. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening and for all your support. Um, we have a really great episode today with Brenda Smart. Yes. And Chantil has a, a personal connection. Yeah. So Brenda, well, first of all, we had her son, Ryan Smart. He was our second interview last year. He talked about leaving corporate America and starting his own business. And I feel like it was just so much more than that. He had so many wise words for just life choices and life in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's really fun. He's like funny mm-hmm. and just, he was awesome. Yeah. So yeah. this is, um, his mom, but Brenda is, was my mom's best friend. Um, they grew up together. I think they knew each other since they were about three Yeah, something lived and grew, grew up that. together. And so I, she was kind of a second mom to me because my mom had me first before she had kids. So Brenda would babysit me and we went family vacations together. So anyway, Brenda's very special to me and I was so excited that she wanted to, um, share her story with us. Yeah. Yeah. And she has a very interesting life. Like she talks about moving to a lot of different countries, a lot of diversity in her background and, you know, having kids and moving around. And she talks about the concept of like, um, having wings versus putting in roots. And I like that concept because they're not one of them is better than the other. And Ryan talked about that too, but just how moving around kind of gave them wings and like taught them different things, you know, learn from different cultures and perspectives and yeah. things like and that. And she even talked about that being hard for her because she thought she was the type of person that just wanted to put down roots. Right. But right. This, but some of these life decisions and things, these opportunities that were like, wait, I don't know if I want to do this, but then yeah. she's so grateful for them. Right. It kind now. of forced her into that mentality and perspective, mm-hmm. but she, yeah, she talked yeah. about what she's learned and and then the other thing she that we talk quite a bit about, probably a good portion of the, of the conversation was about how she is a member of the LDS church and they're, her and her husband are active members. Three of their four children have stepped away from the mm-hmm. church. So we talked about like, um, she's really awesome. Oh, also they were mission presidents, her and yeah, her husband. Yeah, Puerto Rico. She talks yeah. about that as well. Yeah. And so how they've kind of... Um, accept like learn to deal and accept and love their kids and the different like missionaries that they know and stuff through their faith transition. So it yeah. was really valuable. Yeah. I think it was really just uplifting, you know, and her being honest that maybe she didn't do it right in the beginning, but how she's kind of handled it now. And I think a lot of it was like open communication with your kids, being honest with them, making sure they feel like they have a space, a safe space to, you know, tell their story and their side and still be able to just love and be a close family. And I do feel like even if you aren't part of the LDS community, whether or not you're in or out, she gives really good life advice for just accepting your kids for who they are and the choices that they've made. I think a lot of us as parents, you know, kind of have these hope and expectations for our kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that doesn't happen, but it doesn't mean it's bad. And sometimes things turn out better for them as an individual and works what works best for them. And I think that's what I loved is her just unconditional love for her kids. Yeah. And kind of explaining how she got to that place. Cause like Mm -hmm. she said early, you know, it wasn't always easy, but yeah, like you said, the open communication and uh, she just has an awesome perspective on everything with to do with that. I really thought she yeah. was great. So I think yeah. if you're going through something, whether it's your own child, whether it's your parents, whether it's a neighbor or friend, I think she gives really good advice on how to handle people leaving your faith tradition that maybe you're yeah. staying a part of, but your friends or family are leaving, um, to have a better understanding and a better love on both sides and like a bridge between the two. Yeah. 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 Yep. Exactly. She was awesome. 
um, before we hop into the interview, we're going to do our segment on what's new with us this week. Um, so I started school this week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was, yeah. Stressful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been a lot. Um, for, I started a master's program for master's in social work. It's online, but it's been awesome. Actually. I love the content that I'm learning. That's like awesome. I was really excited. I mean, reading, I'm like, okay, this, I, you know how I was, I was like, is this the right choice? Should I do psychology? Should I do social work? Is this, but I think it's going to be awesome, but I was quite overwhelmed. <laughs> so yeah, I can imagine us. like getting just yeah. it all set up and yeah, it was a lot in and, study mode. And, mm-hmm. and I actually, I thought I'd share this just because it's life. Like I started out in the standard track program and I actually already dropped a class. Cause I was like, Holy cow, this is a lot. And it's only going to put me behind like five months in the long run. And so I just realized I've got to scale back a little yeah. bit. And It'll so, probably be good to get you know, the rhythm and just a schedule yeah, for yourself. I think so. And I can always add some more, but I'm like for now, and I don't know, it was kind of good. I think the first day or two, I was like, I can't, like, I've got to just do this and do it. But then I thought, wait, like for what to just make myself go crazy, like right. at yeah, what, what cost? Point of this, yeah. Right? And I want to enjoy learning. So anyway, I just wanted to share that, that like sometimes in life we have this idea and then, you know, I guess my flexibility, I think it's going to pay off in the long run. Cause I already am less stressed. So right. Take and I have that more time for, get, yeah, yeah, like my family and everything else going on. Yeah. So well, I'm yeah. excited for you. Oh, and thanks. that'll be really fun to, yeah, I'm excited. See your progress with that. Um, so for me, I guess, um, I've been working, so I got my real estate license a couple years ago, but I just was like, wow, I don't know if I want to be like a like a day-to-day realtor. I was yeah. kind of wanted to do more like projects. So I found a project in Utah and I'm doing it with a friend. We're doing like a short-term vacation rental and we're almost finished. Yay! It's only been two plus years in the making. Oh, um, yeah. I've learned a lot. Um, part of it that's been really fun is that I've been able to work with my, well, one of my best friends is doing the project with me. And then I've also been doing it with my dad yeah, and my brother. Right. So uh, my dad actually is amazing and he came up with a four plan and is up there all the time. He's very, it's like his baby, like he's Aww. protective of it and he wants to make sure everything's going well. And so, um, and That's he's been working on the house and then my brother's helping out as well. So it's been fun to work with family and friends, learn a lot of new things, learn how this, we've never built a house actually, Nate, my husband and I, like we've yeah. always bought houses for whatever reason. I've always wanted to build a house cause my dad, you know, did that when I was younger and yeah. stuff. So I, I'm like, this has been a really cool experience, slightly yeah. stressful, but actually I think cause it's not my own home. Mm. It's actually less stressful. Probably. Yeah. Cause you're not like, I'm not going to live here all the time yeah. and this is vacation, but still you can use it. Yeah. We like, can use it sometimes yeah. and hope that people, you know, rent it out. So our builder builder's been great and it's been a cool experience and I'm excited for it to be done. Yeah. So we're going to have excited. a girl's trip up there. Yes. We're going <laughs> to break the we, house Yeah. In. We get to be the first ones to use it because my friends, yeah. yeah, we're all friends. So we're going to invite our friends up there and use it. So yeah, that should be fun. So fun. It's been a fun project and it's like, I think I want to do another one. So I'm impressed. Like you've done a lot. I mean that when you bring up things about that, I'm like, holy cow, that's a job in and of itself. So yeah. you're balancing a lot. We're up there and, a lot. Yeah. Driving back and forth. And yeah. You guys, stuff, you've done so. a great job. So, so cool. So before we hop into the interview, we just wanted to remind our listeners, all you guys are so awesome to listen and support us. And if you haven't had a chance to hop on whatever app you listen on and leave like a quick review, we'd really appreciate it if you did. It just helps the podcast a lot. I think it helps those apps recommend it to other people. Yeah. Like this is stuff. similar to something you've listened to. So yeah. if there's more stars and more reviews, then it mm-hmm. pushes it up or something. So. Yeah. So that'd be really helpful. And, and then just like subscribe on whatever app you listen on. And then if you are already following us on social media, um, we post like pictures of our guests and, and the summaries and links to their social media. So 
I feel like that's a good way if you're enjoying the show to follow along yeah, and get beautiful more shifts content. podcast. And yep. On Instagram yeah. and oh, on Facebook too. Yeah. Both. And thanks for all those that have rated and yes. reviewed and just supported us. And yeah. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. We just love doing it and yeah, we're okay. just grateful. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll head into our conversation with Brenda. Yes. Thank you. All right. Welcome to the podcast today. I feel like this is like a special episode um, because uh, we have Brenda Smart with us and um, Brenda Smart was one of my mom's best friends and I'm already getting emotional. Mm. (laughs) Um, My mom passed away three years ago and um, Brenda, my mom, have known each other. How how old were you when you guys met? Oh yeah. (laughs) Your whole entire life. So Wow. Yeah. And then Brenda's been like a second mom. Babysat me when I was little and we lived down in San Diego by her and her husband. So she was a little, you know, kind of like a grandparents to Peyton and Whitney and when they were really little. So anyway, it's a special episode and I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, yes. dear. I've been looking forward to it. And it's same thing. First thing I thought of, um, what's your mom? <laughs> I thought, oh, she'd be so happy. So yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, she would love to hear this conversation or be in it with yeah, us. Yeah, so. I think so too. Um, yeah. So we're excited to share Brenda's story. She has a lot of transitions and just a really kind of I think a unique life, just all the places you've lived and experiences you've had. And so I think, um, you guys will all enjoy just her life perspective and her just things she has learned and, um, just her wise words (laughs) today. So, um, yeah, if you want to first just kind of tell us about yourself and your family and any hobbies or anything you want to tell us to kind of start the conversation. But yes, I was born and raised in Twila. And as you said, my very first um, best friend wasn't my neighbor. And that was Chantel's mom and actually her, uh, your aunt Stacy as well, too. They're both mm-hmm. my, my both best friends growing up. And yes, I did babysit you and um, you have the scars to prove it, right? I do have a scar. <laughs> from a burn, yes. Oh, how funny. It's a curling iron incident. I didn't have kids, so I probably didn't know what I was doing. But I loved when your mom dropped you off, and I loved that so very much. So um, a little bit about myself is uh, my husband, David, and I have four boys. Um, Ryan, who you had on podcast before last year, he's pretty fun. He's awesome. Yes. <laughs> if you haven't um, heard our second episode with Ryan Smart, that is Brenda's son that she's referring to, and it was a great episode Lots of listens. Everyone loves, everyone loves Ryan. Yeah, He's a great do. guy oh. and just really good perspective. Yeah, so lots of advice and a yeah, lot of laughs, all different things. He is always a yes. for a lot yeah. of laughs, right? Yes. So yeah, he's one of our four boys and, um, yeah, he, he is a connector. He has more best friends than Ivan can count, but he's pretty awesome. <laughs> Beautiful daughter-in-laws. Um, I have six cute grandkids that none of them live by me. That's a whole other challenge right that will transition yeah, I guess, yeah. i've had to learn how to navigate being a distant grandma yeah um but we do our best to, to see each of the boys really try to see them regularly so that's pretty great um david retired from mattel toys uh yes barbie doll movie we saw it 
Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, I thought of that actually when Did I watched you? it. I was like, oh, Dave worked for Mattel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys, yeah, because he'd bring Peyton and Whitney toys when he worked for oh, Mattel. Yeah, oh, 25 yeah. years. So it really was fun watching it with him because I'd lean over him going, is that really true? Because yeah, we had to discontinue that toy. Is that person? Yep, it oh. really is that person. So it was kind of. Oh, awesome. how interesting. So that was, really yeah, yeah, kind of, awesome. that was really kind of fun. Um, and my interests are I love hiking, I love snowshoeing golfing, yoga, um, loved pickleball, but, uh, dealing with an injury now. So we'll get through that. (laughs) The one thing that I do hate is cooking. I, I just full on. I I think Ryan mentioned that. I'm sure. (laughs) I mean, everybody knows that that's the one thing. In fact, it's funny because we were talking, I was talking with some friends, um, more of a intimate talk of, you know, life and, looking back and they said, you know, what's one thing, one decision you made that was the best decision you ever made? And I said, hello, fresh. When I got hello, oh. fresh, the first one, I was Perfect. like, okay, oh. this can do, I wish I would have discovered it when the kids were little. Actually, we wouldn't have money for oh, it yeah. then, but yeah. <laughs> that, that's one thing. So we're now um, in Park City um, and I can let you know that we did move a lot of times. Um, interesting because mm-hmm. I was being born and raised and we were we were in Tooele the first six, seven years, six years of our married life and then moved to Stansbury Park where Chantel was. Um, that was seven years. From there, we went to Monterey, Mexico for four years, Georgia one year, um, San Diego for 16 years. From there, we went to Hong Kong for five years and then Puerto Rico for three years. So of those, what, what, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, of those seven, eight moves, the boys did all of them, but like two, our last, our last final two. So yes, moving was a big transition. And I, I think I remembered Ryan saying when he was on your podcast that his dad had talked about roots or wings. Do you remember that? Yep. I oh, love that. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Yes. And we, I love that. we really, that's been the case. And I think the important thing to remember about that, that um, neither one's right and neither one's wrong. Yeah. Right. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that was something for us, for me, I wanted the roots. I mean, this little Twilla girl, I wanted community. I wanted the kids to stay in one school. I had dreamed of my grandchildren living by me and running to the house after school. And that wasn't, that wasn't the case. So, but it, but it provided uh, such amazing, wonderful opportunities that we all would say that we become, I think the people we become because of a a greater view of the world and and the challenges we had to go through, because it always sounds so exotic, doesn't it? When we just say, oh, yeah. they got to live there and there. And you don't see behind the scenes and the tears and the, and the loneliness at times and all that comes with that. Um, so we had to navigate that. But it was it really was wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure as you're traveling around, yeah, it does sound like, oh, they got to live in Mexico and Hong Kong. And, you know, I know that it was hard for Ryan to leave his friends, you know, yeah, in high school. And, and your other boys were all different ages with the challenges that that might have. So. It's funny because it's hard for me to put the timeline in, but I'm like, I know I was old enough to babysit some of your boys 
before you moved. Yes. But then it, was... it would have been right before it would have been right before Chantel because um, my oldest would have been 12. So he would have been like 12. Okay. And David was in a family business, uh, really with no intentions of going anywhere. And then an opportunity came up from us, uh, a friend of his that um, worked for Mattel. And he called David to say, gosh, I've got an opening. And it's so interesting to me that I even entertained that idea. I think it was just, yeah. honestly, I, I, there's no other way I can put it except I felt that it was divinely timed. I thought, you know what? I think I had a pause because this might be something that we need to look at. And so I thought if I'm going to entertain this idea, I'm going to have to, I don't know how I'm going to break it to the kids. So I decided to do right. it as my personality is and play the hype woman, right? I'm going to play hype mom. This is so fun. <laughs> this is going to be exciting. And we won't be there very long. But um, think of the things we get to learn that are new and, you know, kind of sell it that way is, is how I did it with the, with the kids. And I think that they were probably, especially my two youngest ones, um, one of them is far more emotional. So I think it, the reality hit with them where the other ones were like, okay, this could sound like fun. Um, I wish I would have known now how deep those emotions ran to know how to deal with it. But when you're a young mom, and I was a young mom, gosh, I was like 21 when I had my first one, right? So, you know, a yeah. kid raising kids. Yeah. So I wasn't equipped really <laughs> to know how to handle emotions. It was just going to be the family unit rather than individual. Um, but I just thought, okay, we, we can maybe, maybe we can do this. So for me, I just thought, uh, I'm I, I first, and we talked about it as a family, you know, to let's be prayerful about this. That was something that was important to us. So we did do that. And then David flew to Mexico to look at the job and to talk about it. So I uh, decided I better fly over there and check it out. I had been on one flight before, right? <laughs> Maybe 18 years old is what it was, one flight. So I was going there, never flown international, didn't know what to do. I land. Um, the driver for Mattel was supposed to pick me up. I couldn't see him anywhere. Uh, every one of the signs, they were in Spanish. I didn't speak Spanish. There was, this was before cell phones. So there was a pay phone. I had, I didn't know how to change money, my money into pesos. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just pacing back and forth, back and forth. No way to connect with anybody. Saying a lot of prayers at the time going, what am I going to do? I see one guy walk up, start to fold up a sign. And I say, I see ART. So I'm running up oh to God, him going, oh, and this is all pantomime, right? because I can't speak to them at all. And it was smart. And I said, that's, that's me. And so um, yeah. that's how I, that was just shocking. I mean, that was just shocking to, to even have that whole experience like that. But again, so grateful for it. So the first place that I went, the only thing I was concerned about the most was the schools, right? So yeah. I went in, um, most countries um, have an American school foundation known, um, for like expats. And so I went there as a private school. Um, I noticed first thing that they wore uniforms. 
And of course, especially I think coming from Twila, what do we do to have our kids fit in to be normal? What are their shoes? What's everybody wearing? What's the style? And that meant nothing. I mean, nothing at all. So that was a shock because that's kind of your identity, especially as a child, right? Thinking right. which yeah. Nike and... shoes are going to be important this year, or which yeah. Jerbo jeans are cool around the world. Yeah, Jerbos, yes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Yeah. And it meant nothing over there. So I was kind of even lost at that, but grateful for the school uniforms. So I bought each of the boys a shirt thinking I'm going to go back and they can see that, kind of feel a little bit of a part of it and see how that will be. I remembered um, the flight home and my head was figuratively and literally in the clouds. I was like, whoa. And I turned to David and I said to him, I can't do this. And he looked at me and he knew I was serious. I just said, I, I can't do this. I can't do this to our kids. And he said, well, I can, I can ask for my job back. And I was okay with that. But then something again was just getting in my gut. And I just, I think I need to pray about this again. Um, and I didn't want to. <laughs> I was so afraid. Yeah, I didn't right? want to know the answer. Ooh, I don't know if I really want to do that. <laughs> and really to this day, David um, and I could not tell you what the sequence was. All we knew is we ended up on a plane for Mexico. It was, I mean, uh, that was it. I mean, that's the only thing I can tell you about <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. But, and I think for us... <laughs> Things and you know, as mothers, when things kind of fall in place, you're thinking, "All right, this this could be it," you know, because we're falling in place. Things are okay, but just because they fall into place doesn't make them easy. I had one of my boys when we were there saying that he would ask, and I didn't know this till later. Um, ask to go to the restroom every single day, probably multiple times, um, to cry because it was hurting him so bad. I'd take the kids to school and be so excited. And this is going to be great. You guys, I can't wait to hear how it's going to go. And I'd go home and I'd just sit and sob. Um, I didn't want to let them know, but that's kind of how it was. My oldest son, he was in like um, all-star little leagues. He was in football quarterback, all those things, class presidents. And he went there and nothing, right? That was, that Mm. was kind of stripped away from him. Um, so that, that was, it was terrifying, really. It was kind of terrifying. Um, but I think one thing that helped me tremendously, and I do believe it helped the boys as well, is I knew to become more visible in the schools. Um, I, I did that when, um, we lived in Stansbury and I just thought, you know, what can I, what can I do? I didn't know if they had room others. I didn't know what it was. They, you know, they, I knew they had like a, a PTA. I don't know if they, I think because it was American school, it was called PTA. Um, very different. I'm, I'm literally seeing when I went to the first PTA meeting, I went and knocked on the house, you know, in my typical sweats like we would. 
and <laughs> and a butler came and met me at the door, oh. really truly oh. with a towel on his hands, oh, wow. and the wife oh. was dressed to the nines and was like, "I'm oh. not in Kansas anymore. This is something. <laughs> one of these is not this like is the different. other, right?" I go yeah. into the room is uh, you know like I think they had six sofas. I, I was just like, "What?" But I had to. What a cool thing to learn at that young age of that didn't matter. That didn't matter. I was there for my kids. I really was there mm. for my kids. And so you're going, and you know how it is. We moms are, I think, so desperately want to fit in and worry about judgment that that kind of stuff is important to us of whose house and what they have. And, and so that was one of the first lessons I learned is, man, you've got to be a voice for your kids. And they had a yeah. um, a school, basically, I guess, can I say, not a, not a school board, but uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, anyway, they elected me. It had to be, and it wasn't one of those you ran for it. I was appointed for to be part of the school board. And so we had a say from my perspective, along with those, the rest that were, you know, of the Mexican culture. So that was... Um, that was a tough time, but a such an amazing time. So um, I I love that experience. I really did. I love that experience. We just again realized how many things didn't define you. Uh, that it was no more about if you were the cool kid that played sports. Um, it was cooler if you were a good student. Um, the classes were so different. So much. Uh, so far ahead than what we were. I mean, I remember my oldest in eighth grade had chemistry. And I'm like, say, what? I didn't even take it. <laughs> so if we didn't need to. Yeah. And uh, geometry and all the things that were, so that was really accelerated. So that's where I think a lot of both, all the boys really learned um, to be good students too. I think they always kind of had that mindset, but that pushed them, I think, pretty much to their max. And I think the most beautiful thing we walked away with was um, love for the Mexican culture. I wouldn't yeah. have expected that because it was, you know, we were minority there. We were the minority yeah. religion um, coming from Utah, uh, being, what is it, high, high 90s, even percent probably Catholic, uh, being right. white, all of that um, now, and again, I'll quote my son Ryan in that one, like he was saying, when we have so many challenges with the government and their view of things with the border, um, it's different for us, for our family. Those are people. Yeah. Those are spirits. Those are hearts. So I'm forever yeah. grateful for that experience, for that for that move to for Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Because it's like your kids still, well, it's, it's kind of interesting that it's an American school, but you felt like you were getting better education in Mexico in an American school. You know, I, here in America. Right. And yeah. I would say because 90% of the population were um, very wealthy Mexicans, 90%. So they were, mm -hmm. they were, I mean, the kids who graduated from there, they came to the Ivy Leagues in the U.S. So they really pushed them so much so that even okay. after ninth grade, uh, was their technical school. So it was it was really a, a college prep after ninth grade to get them going for that. And after ninth grade, there wasn't anything to, um, well, for our kids to go because, you know, they we weren't going to go to a technical school that was, was Spanish-speaking. So that's when um, I sent my oldest son 
uh, home to live with my mom in Twilla for one year. So that was, and then Ryan had that same experience when he moved to San Diego, he went another year. And again, that was another amazing uh, lesson for me because there was a lot said in a small town of what mom could write to do that, to let their kids go back. And um, until you're that parent to say, you know, to, in one case, see the light of their eyes kind of go out because they're unhappy. Um, another one, just having to do it because that's what it was. You you drop yeah. you learn to drop some judgments, right? You just definitely you just do because um, every yeah. situation is really different, and you are that child's mom for a reason. And so we do the best we can for ours, and and hopefully give each other that same grace when somebody else makes a decision because we only have our own eyes to see what we do and how unfair is that right because we don't know right. we don't know what situations and yeah circumstances. well and I think like you wonder why there'd be judgment because obviously that was probably so hard for you knowing it was the right thing to do for him but you were giving up your child for like a time knowing yeah. tears that and it was tears. gonna hurt and you're gonna miss him every day yeah you know, it's like, wait, that's more of like a sacrifice. Maybe we don't stop to look at that. You know, I think judgment is <laughs> yeah, just too yeah. quick rather than really thinking through, mm-hmm. gosh, what, what should, you know, could she have possibly felt like with that one? But um, right. again, yeah. I had to, I had to buck up and just realize this is what I felt was best for them. And who's to say, really? I mean, really, you, you see that one of the most challenging things uh, a teenager can go through and any counselor will tell you, gosh, if there's any way you cannot move while they're in high school, you know, or junior high, that would be the best. Well, my oldest son went to four high schools in four years. <laughs> he did. Wow, that yeah. would have been uh, an awful thing as a mother that I could have possibly done. But then you see, in fact, I remember his um, college entrance exam was on right about a challenging experience that you've grown from. I'm like, well, that's an easy topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. I'd even say that because this was back in the day where I didn't even see that he had his college exam. I don't know if it got mailed. I think I FedExed it last day. We weren't involved at all. It's like, I well, hope it's good, son, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> but I that helped me realize through those challenges, that's usually one of the greatest growth comes right yeah so that was a good one I'm imagining yeah and I'm imagining your boys learned a lot of independence too you know I think having to go and move away at that young age and you know it's a hard thing but also they're learning a lot and just and also so unique to have that cultural experience I just think I mean, like, like you were saying, we don't want to like glamorize it too much because there's a lot of heart in it, but just so unique. And they're just, you know, you can't replicate that in any other way, I guess, than just living it's it. It's really true. What you, what you read in a, in a textbook is so, so very different. And they did, in fact, probably to a fault, um, we raised them very independent, not purposely. I think it was just because of both of my husband's and our, my upbringing, we really were, um, free range kids before it was a thing, <laughs> you know, we just, did yeah. our thing. and I think if anything, our boys would probably say, mom, were you even the least bit nervous when we went out at nine o'clock and you didn't see us till two? I'm like, not really. I figured you'd be okay. <laughs> or exactly moving and being on their own, living with their yeah. grandma and checking things out. I remember 
from, um, well, let's see, we had after Mexico, we moved to Georgia and um, that was, that was probably just as culturally shocking totally yeah i remember right really truly so seriously different. that was oh, probably right. yes. just as shocking but i remember talking about independence Lindsay. you made me think about um uh our oldest playing basketball he, he made the team and they had their first game and it was i didn't even know what town it was so we pull out the thomas guide i give him remember the big old maps you had to go from oh, yeah. one page to the next because <laughs> oh, yeah. you couldn't fit it in uh -huh. i give him the thomas guide he's in this car and he takes off and i it was like an hour and something away. I'm like, oh, so did you find it? Yeah, we found it. And it was, I think it was a practice because we <laughs> went to all the games, but the things that they learned to be adults, probably far earlier than what they even should have. But I still look at that now. I'm going, you know, I would have rather had it that way because there were certain things that they couldn't have learned any other way, but they were given full, um, full freedom to do that. Right. Because a lot of times we don't choose to just be like, okay, I'm going to learn this. It's only when you're thrown into it that, that when you have to. Learn absolutely. It do, absolutely. So. And it's kind of funny as parents, because, and you'll find out when your kids get older, you're kind of uh, could be a little damned if you do and damned if you don't. Like, why didn't you give us more freedom? And then why did he give us so much freedom? So you don't know. Yeah. You know? You just, right. It depends, yes, on, yes. it depends on. And each kid's different. Each yeah. kid is so different. So one, what one looked at is like, that was the greatest thing ever. The other one, you know, probably emotionally could have used a little bit more. And that's, that's definitely the challenge of that. But um, yeah, so Georgia was, I mean, it was so different. You have to realize this was in the 90s. And so when my oldest was playing basketball, I mean, you could walk in the gym and draw a line of division of blacks and whites, how they sat. And that blew wow. my mind. I was very yeah. fortunate that I didn't grow up with racism. To be honest, I didn't even know what the word meant. There was one, um, and, and I know people are going to have their own say when I say that, because we all have a little and as blind, we might not know it. But there was only one um, black student that was in, in Tooele uh, during the 60s mm -hmm. when my brother was, I was trying to look at the, uh, the dates on that but um when my brother was in high school and his parents worked for the air force and they had to move and so he wanted to stay to finish out his high school years and so he lived with us and again i had no clue that that was a thing until you'd hear just all the awful things that people say and i couldn't figure it out so fortunately if there's one thing i think we did right is is that with our children everybody was equal there wasn't a it wasn't even an issue so um, our son jumps on to the bus and he's going back and talking to all of them. Well, that wasn't the th all of the players. That wasn't the thing to do. Yeah. I mean, he, oh man, some of the words that they crude, crude comments were made to him was just shocking. But again, you wow. have to realize that this is a time where it was, gosh, we were in Augusta, Georgia. So that's where the Masters is played. You could only mm. be on that course if you were black, if you were a caddy up until I think it was oh, wow. 19, I think it was like 1975 when the first player would, was able to allow to play. And then a member of the Augusta golf course, you, it wasn't until 1990 that they let a black become a member. 
So we are only there, what, three, four years after that? A couple of years maybe when we were there? So that was honestly, um, I think, just as shocking. I think that was yeah. that was just as shocking. Yeah, I actually really appreciate you sharing that because I think, you know, it's kind of like what you were saying, living in Utah and, you know, I feel like I grew up in a similar home where just race wasn't a thing and my parents were very, mm. I mean, I never heard any racist comments growing up other than, you know, maybe as I got older, like through media and stuff. But I think it's hard for us to understand, you know, when we hear about the issues and you would think in the nineties, like the civil rights movement was in the sixties, yeah, you'd think we should, be, we way should be way past that. that. So I feel like, yeah. And even now how people here, I just don't think we have a good grasp of like what that can be like. And so, yeah. And I still don't, but right. I'm, I'm grateful. I can hear it from people like you and people that have actually lived that experience other than thinking, well, because I haven't seen it in my life, it must not exist. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, yeah, the racism is still prevalent. And I mean, I know we've come a long way since the nineties, you know, a long, long way, but unfortunately, like it's, there's just a lot of um, work in in Utah where we're predominantly white. We just don't know and understand Mm -hmm. what it would be like to be a minority. So you had the experience of being in a minority and a few different places. We haven't even got to Hong Kong. So So you were a minority in Mexico (laughs) and then you went then to the South where you saw how minorities were being treated. It's just a very interesting Right. Yeah. Like view, you know, and so anyway, I I appreciate that. And and that was where, and I just usually am very demonstrative. Hugs to me is just second nature. And that's when, so I'm hugging the kids after a win on Cody's team. And that's when one of the young men turned to my son and said, I have never been hugged by a white woman before. And I'm I'm like, what? And when I say I'm shocked, I, I really didn't, there wasn't enough. Probably I didn't know enough about the history anyway at that time, but I, I didn't, I didn't get that. So that was unique. And then no matter where, it was kind of a fun reversal with religion because I'd go to the doctor's office or the dentist. And I first thing, first thing I would be asked in each one in a professional setting is, do you have a church? Do you have a church? And I thought, that's true. They asked, Whoa, yeah. that, that's just common. I just said, I do. And they said, oh, which one are you going? What? Making the assumption that it's, you know, probably where I was at more prevalent Baptist. Do we not do the exact same thing in Utah? So which church, are you, yeah. you know, you go, meaning like which what chapel, which war are you in? And so that yeah. made me realize, yeah. oh, and it was so interesting because as soon as I said, oh, no, at, uh, you know, I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ. I'm a Mormon. There was a real stillness in the room, very quiet. And the whole, it just shifted. You know, we weren't viewed mm-hmm. as Christian. And, and so to be on that other end of that, I wasn't offended. It was really kind of awakening, like, whoa. Whoa, whoa, where did I? I thought it was in the land of Oz. I was just between Mexico <laughs> and Georgia. It's like, what is happening here? Right. So yeah. that was, that was pretty shocking. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That, that's a whole other aspect with the religious. Yeah. And same thing here in Utah. It's very different because that's just the predominant religion. Like most of us, you know, have a tie to it in some way here. Well, I shouldn't say most of us, but a large majority. majority yeah. yeah. And an understanding so of some yeah. sort, right? Even those mm-hmm. who don't have that yes, tie, there's yeah. an understanding Context. of that, right? right. So it's yeah. like, nope, yeah. nope, nope, there, there wasn't that at all. So again, another mm-hmm. amazing opportunity, um, trying to think of any kind of transitions for the kids. I think that they just thought it was uh, so fun being back in the States and you know, hearing the music they had missed out on and, 
and uh, what were the latest Nikes and all that stuff. It was kind of fun. And this, so they all adjusted, um, they all adjusted, I think, uh, pretty well. I know one of mine that, uh, like my, my third son, um, it was devastating when he didn't make the basketball team. And um, that was his love. He, everything, every single thing about him was NBA, which is ironic because he works for the NBA right now. Right, as I said, yeah. <laughs> I think funny. he works for the NBA, He's right? an attorney. For, <laughs> oh, he does? Yeah, oh. he is. He's an attorney for the oh, NBA. Cool. I think he wishes he could have been um, a player, but that didn't happen. A player in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> that was his life. And it was a small town kind of feeling where, everybody knew whose kid and who was going to be the coach and who was going to make the team. And so, you know, he ended up playing like intramural and some of those intramurals and some of the um, coaches saw him play and were just astounded. Like this kid can play, but because of small town politics, right. That we all have, we mm -hmm. know it, but it's great when you're on that side of it. Um, it was right. devastating to him. I mean, it, to the mm -hmm. point that I was the mom that, you know, didn't take it, didn't take it quietly and went and talked to the coach going, wait a minute here, you know, this, right, I thought this was fair. Yeah. I mean, and he's like, no, I said, no, 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 you don't know me. And because we're not in that click, we didn't, you know, I didn't handle it well. Wow. Like, like you were saying, so it wasn't one of my best parenting moments. I heard you say that. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> we all have those, right? Oh, yeah. Well, but like we were saying earlier, like if you don't advocate, advocate for your kids, who's going yeah. to, you know, so sometimes yeah. if you feel, you know, the need to speak up and, you know, may go well, may not, but at least, you know, right. you, you did. Right. So, right. I, oh, I did. Yeah. I did. I, I could yes. have worked on the delivery a little bit, but I was pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty passionate about that. <sighs> so no, that was, well, that, would be that hard. was, that yeah. was very unique in there. Um, yeah. And so were you in Mexico a year and then Georgia a year or is it about, is that like the, about the timeline? We were in Mexico four years. Oh, four. We were. Oh, how did I not and only that? in wow. Georgia, you know, probably because I came home every summer. So you would have seen me because yeah. I came to your mom's every yeah. single time. I was going to say, I feel like I grew up with your you boys. Did. So it's you like did. And probably when yeah, we lived so. in Mexico, probably even more because they would stay, you know, they were there all summer and they would hang at your house. Yeah. So that's oh, probably yeah. what that was. Yeah. Georgia was only like nine months. Um, David was asked oh, because wow. it was okay. the time. Mattel bought out Fisher Price. They kept the name Fisher Price. So he went there to open up a, a Fisher Price plant. So it was nine months. And it was interesting because that seemed like almost four years to me because <laughs> it was like, oh, <laughs> this is a really different place, oh, yeah. you know? So yeah. it was that. But And so then from there is when we went to San Diego. And um, mm. by this time I had learned, give yourself minimum a year to adjust to a place. And mm -hmm. for me, it really did take that long. And you might think, because Chantel knows, this is a beautiful area. What could you not so amazing, love yeah. about that, yeah. right? But it was um, it was tough because Ryan decided it was you know to to come back to Twilla for a year, so we had that. Um, again, the culture is different too. You know, uh, mm -hmm. for the boys, it was the coolest culture ever. Are you kidding? My oldest goes to surfing oh, yeah. when he signs up for school and he had an option of taking surf PE say what this yeah. is something oh, you cool. can do <laughs> yes that is cool. yeah. for that one so for that while we were there I mean it was just uh it was really fun for them um but it was again it took an adjustment because I the oldest one had gone on well let's see he did his senior year there 
and then um, the Ryan didn't, but then both of them, by the time we moved into our house, were, I think, on missions. And so I had the two youngest ones at home. So this was my biggest transition. So even though I stayed very busy, especially with the schools, um, and I taught seminary full time, I also went down to La Jolla at UCSD for their institute, and I'd help out there. And then I had like one of my most fun jobs I had ever had, and that was um, I was I worked at a private Catholic school as a spiritual consultant. How cool is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, that is cool. I loved, that is. I loved, I loved the progressive way a principal was in when I was teaching them a middle school. I'd go in once a month and and teach them like just on on using the scriptures, using the New Testament on on morals and values. And she was sitting in class and she goes, Would you consider, you know, being that liaison for the for the kids on like did you miss the Mormon part? I don't know if yeah, you're like I'm not Catholic. Yeah, that's so interesting that they, but that's so neat isn't that they were that, open-minded to that. Isn't yeah, that that's mm-hmm. so? I mean, I mm-hmm. I treasured that time just because I think of how divided we are now, and I applaud I applaud yeah. you girls so much for doing this podcast for that to say there is joy on on both sides and all decisions and all people right. and that's what it was for that we recognized each other um for our strengths is what it was and said it doesn't that's make really any cool. difference so that was one of the most i think the, the thing i i love the most but something also was just it came to me out of nowhere and i just thought you know what i think i should go to college while I was there, I, I had oh. I had my two younger ones. I'm in my 40s, and I'm not saying go back to college. I never went, so I'm like, mm. I'm going to go to college, and I always knew if I did that it would be social work. And when they say you kind of feel like it's a calling, it really is that. So, and I knew I wanted to do clinical social work rather than, um, you know, research or uh, more administrative. And so mm-hmm. I decided to go back, uh, which tells any of your listeners there is not an age limit on that. Right. And I, it's never too right, late. It right. really, truly isn't. Uh, and I think it not only, even if you decide not to work at the end of that, you know, and I, to be honest, I didn't know where mine was leading me. I didn't go with a goal intended. I did think I wanted to work at a hospital to do more clinical. And so I was fortunate to have an internship uh, at Thornton Hospital uh, in, San, in La Jolla it was. And I worked with bone marrow transplant patients. And mm-hmm. I happened to get a lot, they would always give me the younger ones, like the either the teenagers or the young 20s. Um, and it was such a sacred, sacred, time where, but I also realized the hospital wasn't for me. The bureaucracy and the boundaries they'd put, like, you know, you can't touch them, you can't do this, you can't say that, your clinical notes are a certain way. And I remember one young man and he was, he was dying and he was in his hospital room and uh, in his bed. And I went in to talk and see if he needed anything. And he just simply looked up at me and he said, I said, 
I'll just use the name Chris. Chris, um, are you afraid to die? And he said, I am. He said, I'm afraid I won't see Jesus. Well, I'm not supposed to um, because I'm a professional, right? Bring in that. If they bring in um, spirituality, you can meet them kind of where they're at. And I just sat up on his bed right next to him. And I shouldn't have broke protocol. Didn't care. Um, took his hand and just held him. Again, I didn't care. And I looked at him and I said, son, I'm going to take off my social work hat right now and just talk to you. Um, just as a mom. And I said, I want you to know not only um, are you worthy to see Jesus, but you will. And he'll have his arms open for you. And um, it was a very tender moment. And I had to leave for something. And, and he died right when I left the room. But oh, wow. I looked at that and I realized um, I do have that that love and the empathy to meet people where they were at. But I knew that there was going to have to be um, a different place to do that. Uh, hospital wasn't going to work for me. So I had my second internship in Encinitas, California at a, um, and you would have been there during that time, I think. Right, Chantal, yeah. when I was there, I think so. I, I feel like that. Yeah, uh, yes, up. at a nonprofit um, at for working with women and children of domestic violence yeah. and yes. other mm-hmm. traumas that children had, and so I, I went ahead and got certified in play therapy at UCSD um, to specialize in kids, and that's the last thing I wanted to do, to be honest with you. But it found me. I just I knew again it was divinely timed that this is I. I needed to learn from this, um, and I felt that there was probably going to be a bigger reason than what I even knew, uh, but it was the right thing to do. In order to study, um, I shouldn't say study, in order to work as a therapist in the United States, you have to be licensed, right? So you, I had to be in the licensed clinical social worker, and I would, it was like a month away when I should have been... Uh, preparing for the exam to take that licensure, never felt for whatever reason that pressure to do that at that time. And that's when we got our, um, again, that I can't say we had the choice, but they were looking to have David go to Hong Kong uh, to take over the operations of Mattel in Asia. And it was, it was interesting timing um, the one thing I did know was social work, and I'm grateful for that. It it, it is recognized worldwide. Like um, life coaches, marriage and family, they are not. But social work is worldwide. Nowhere in the world except the United States do you have to be licensed. So I could be a therapist um, in Mexico. I could be a therapist in Hong Kong. Um, so I had, I knew that was going to be it. And I felt very comfortable with that for whatever reason, because I, I don't know if I thought that I was going to be working. I just was led to something I felt that I needed to do. So at the age of 51, I graduated with my master's in social work. That's awesome. That's so it was, cool. It yeah, because yeah, Lindsay's awesome. thinking about going back. Oh, so. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> are you are starting. Are you starting next week? Um, the 16th. Oh, oh yes. not only are you thinking, but, and I, I, so I know the process with that, mm-hmm. right? That's yes, a- I know. As you're saying all this, I'm like, oh, that's so how I feel a lot. You know, like I've kind of 
toyed with the idea for so long, but like how you were saying, you kind of feel called to something like the more, now that I've kind of settled into just, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just really excited to get going with it. So I, anyway, I, I love hearing well, you talk about it. Well, and I honor it. you for, and I think that's a good thing for the listeners to hear because it always starts out as an idea and we will do everything right. to change that or talk ourselves out of it. Is it the right time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chantel's heard me, trust yeah. me. Me, I let my anxiety take over. I'm like, I don't oh, know, I might just do something totally different. Like, right. And just prepare your kids yes. to be, I have a wicked mom sometimes during those times when it's just- And I am nervous stressful. about that, like yeah. the balance, but I, that's the other thing I just had to be like, but I'm just going to do it and it will work I itself out that. somehow. Like it's hard for me to let go of that control. I've been thinking about this for years. So I'm like, right. hey, well, if not Find now, time. I guess I just keep pushing it down the road longer, you know? So that's it. You can be, yes. you can be 42 without a college degree. You can be 52 without a college mm -hmm. degree or you can do it if you want. And some right. people, and I was very content with that. I didn't feel as though, and I had friends in San Diego that um, uh, the majority of them um, that had graduated from Harvard or Stanford, so I never felt intimidated. Mm. I really never did. I didn't feel less than, I didn't feel like, I just didn't feel like that was my thing until it was, right. until it was. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's yeah. great. And you will have to gear up because balancing isn't an easy thing but i also believe that when you know it's what you're supposed to be doing um or you feel drawn to it you get that you get those compensatory blessings if you will that will balance out to both of those and yeah, i know I hope so. you will you will <laughs> so yeah. so for me um that was amazing to be able to do that and moving to hong kong really what's kind of, you know, I did use it a little bit because there was in the church, they had asked me like say bishops in Beijing, in China, in India that were not, and, and my husband is, has also served in that, in that capacity as a bishop. And he'll be the first one to say, I wasn't equipped. I had no clue what to do if somebody came in right. and it's not one of those things that let's pray about this. No, I have mental health issues, and this is where I'm okay. going to go with this yeah. one. Where do I go with that? And so it was a, it was an honor to be able to um, be that consultant, if you would. So I was more of a, uh, oh, cool. a mental health consultant to some of the bishops that, you know, if there was a situation of cutting or anxiety or suicide, I had to do that too, um, that I was able to use that. So that was amazing. Mm, that is cool. But for, yeah. Yeah, but really outside of that, Hong Kong was more, oh my heavens, it was like my second honeymoon. My first, really. Awesome. What, I, what, who am I kidding? I didn't yeah. have a honeymoon. <laughs> I, didn't have to go on honeymoon. <laughs> I know. I wanted to go back for a minute Jeez. just because I was realizing, and I hadn't, I don't know why I've never thought about this till now. And I probably did back then, but you're the reason why we moved to Carmel Valley. And I think oh. of all the amazing people I met in Carmel Valley that I'm like, I feel so like so much gratitude to you Aww. because we lived in Mission Valley when Nate was in his first and second year of school. And then we were like, wow, we might only have one more year left in California. Where do we want to spend it? And you would invite us for, you know, for Sunday dinners or whatever. And I'm like, well, I just love up there in Del Mar and Carmel Valley. Could we like make that work for a year? And so that's why we moved there. And then, I mean, I have some of my, you know, like, you know, Darcy Cole, she's one of my dearest Ab best absolutely. friends that I would never, and her son, Will was Peyton's best friend when we lived there. And they were like a huge, just blessing in our lives Aww. because Peyton had this little friend and they went to preschool together and they still, you know, are friends and Darcy's one of my best friends. So How sweet Chantel. I'm glad you remembered that. I do remember having the phone call and this tells how much trust mother daughter kind of situation. 
we need a place to live. Brenda, can you find us an apartment? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is first floor. You're cool with this. We got this. And so we, right. We did it sight unseen. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, cool. we couldn't do FaceTime yeah. or anything like that. So, right, right. Oh, yeah. so you're right. And, and then you even, I would say you let us once, I think one Thanksgiving you were going to be here in Utah. So we, my whole family, we all stayed yep. in your house because yeah. we just had a little apartment. So we had Thanksgiving at your house. Oh, cool. When, so when, fun that uh, you remembered that. So. <laughs> and, you know, you bring up a, the, one of the biggest points that I hadn't even hadn't even said that was one of the greatest blessings of each one of those moves. The people you meet that yeah. you'll still have yeah. ties with for most of your life, right? Yeah, that's my favorite part about moving is I think I would have missed out on all these amazing people. You, that so Some right. are still in my life. Some were just for that time, but like so important and taught me so many things and we wouldn't have learned any other way connections with them. Yep. Yeah. I, I couldn't yeah, agree amazing, more. So, so yeah. So, um, so Hong Kong for me was exactly opposite of Mexico. When I got there thinking, get your job back. I got to have, I didn't even want to come back after the visit. And which is so interesting because Hong mm, Asia wow. wasn't even on my top five list to really even visit, let alone live there. Yeah. But it was right. the uh, culture that was so gentle and amazing and loving. And there's a huge population of Filipinos because they don't have the work in their country. And to see the sacrifice of those women that leave their entire family for years out of love. And again, and so much ridicule from other people who are thinking, who could ever do that? And who would equate that they did that to sacrifice for the love? I mean, they it, it was a matter of food, right? So right. that mm-hmm. was that was remarkable for me. Um, and then it was such an amazing location. So it would be a two-hour flight to Thailand, to Vietnam, to the Philippines. I mean, I don't think I traveled more in my life than I did those five years of every place we went from Turkey to Bali to, it was just, it was so much fun. And it was almost a little too easy. My life was a little too easy. Right. Well, then all your kids were grown, right? I mean, all the kids were grown. I mean, I'm sure you missed them. It was, but what I think what suffered though was, uh, that's when I started having the grandchildren. So uh, when I went to Hong Kong, there was three, Ryan's two, and then um, oldest son's one. So I left them at a critical age, three, two, and a baby. And then while we were over there, there were the three more that they had during that time. So the whole family thing, as we all look back at that timing from the, you know, phone calls. um, Yeah, I come home for the summers, but it, it was a challenge. And I think it, it was a strain, a little bit of a strain on the family. Yes, I love your thought of like, hey, the kids were grown now, it's our time. But, you know, there's something with that, that even having our boys, yeah, which I'll get to my other thoughts on that later as well, too, <laughs> of having to adapt. But um, that was tough and but still enjoyable because every one of them came over. They loved it. Absolutely fell in love with Hong Kong. We had so much fun. Had the great honor of having Jake there you know, for those few years, because he mm-hmm. initially started out with a job in tax law, which sounds weird that you'd be in Hong Kong with that one, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I know. I thought that was so crazy. But, but they, you know, really they cool have the big, there, big yeah. firms there, DLA Piper, Baker McKenzie, all those. And so he started there for a little bit and it was there when he got from the NBA. So we got him, you know, being able to live with him. That was great fun. But then while we were there is when we were called to serve our mission 
for the Church of Jesus Christ, and it was in Puerto Rico. Well, that um, is when probably one of our greater transitions came up. By the time, by the time we had been called, Jake had already uh, left the church. So he uh, it probably been a few years in the in the works for him, right? And in the transition time of us talking to um, Neely Anderson about the possibilities of going and us looking at it when that might work out, in that length of time waiting, um, uh, the other two left the church. So we were looking, thinking, we're going, what? You know, how is this working? We can't even keep our own family together, and we're going to be over how many kids? You know, how, how is this going to work? Three of the four of them have left. Um, and and then during the time, because we, we had moved back, getting ready to go, and um, Elder Ballard had given us a blessing, setting us apart, our farewell, um, getting ready to go, and the kids weren't there for any of that. And so that was tough for me, you know, as a mom. That was a little bit of a heartache when you're seeing all the families come in for their, you know, supporting their parents. And I'm looking, boy, and gosh, I don't feel supported at all. And when I, what I'm telling you now has been an absolute journey. I mean, an absolute journey. So I'm telling you on this side of it, looking back now, um, right, because right. how I wished I would have been equipped. The mission was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me to remove me from that because I know me, I know I would have stayed here and played the martyr. I would have been a victim. I, I think I would have inflicted the shame and, and, and guilt more than what I would have wanted to. But being removed from it, you sit there and you think, okay, so here I am teaching and talking of Christ and the atonement. This is in real time. Do you want to back that up and actually live in that way or are you going to let these wedges come in so never had i thought about when i was thinking that i wasn't supported or or i was lonely or i felt abandoned oh my heavens why didn't i ever look to think of how hard that was for my kids mm -hmm. right this wasn't just some quick right. little decision that they made but you're so and i think we have a tendency to do that when we um, I think we have a tendency when any kind of challenge comes that we, we go inward. We kind of just mm. get pretty myopic of just looking at what's, what's going on with us, right? Just, just with right. us. We see it from our perspective. Um, we're wanting the other ones to probably to feel our hurt so they can understand what that is. And I, again, really didn't stop to think about what was their pain. And I've since seen that you really have to allow yourself, you go through stages, much like grieving, not the, not the exact same stages of grieving, but I looked at some of them, first one being denial. I remember picking my oldest son up. Um, well, he was here. We were gonna go pick up his dad from the airport. We had time to kill. And we had pulled over in the car. I'm going, how you doing, honey? And he goes, do you really wanna know? And I'm like, yeah. And he had shared with me, he had written out a full page full of thoughts as to um, leaving the church. And he said, 
I want you to know at the very top one, number one was, how am I going to tell mom and dad? And you could just feel the anguish and the pain and the, you know, what am I going to do with this? And I said, oh, son, I am so grateful you can talk to me. The worst thing would be is if you couldn't tell mom and dad. But, and that sounds like the perfect thing to say, but to be honest, I was looking back, I was in denial, like, thanks for telling me you'll mm. You know, you'll get over this. Get over this and, it'll be yeah. okay right. of how this is going to be. And so I, I did realize that I, I, I was in denial with that. So that was a stage. And then as, as things went progressed and I could see he kept moving forward that way, then I kind of shifted a little bit more to anger. You know, it was though that I, again, I knew, I know I inflicted more of that um, shame, right. And, and guilt and I think I parented much that same way when the kids were little. Um, again, just following what it is that you know. And so you're thinking, this is how, if I can be strong, if I can be strict, this is how they're going to go. And I wasn't coming from a place of love. I, I think that we need to grant each other, parents and children, grace to navigate it through it. Because none of us have done that this before. It was a whole new phase. It was a whole different stage that yes. I was in. Yeah. Well, not just this that you're going through, but like, I think it deserves, like we've talked about this before on our podcast. There's so much more information ready, readily available now for us to understand, you know, shame and mm -hmm. those kind of healthy things where so I just don't right. think back then it was known so much and those relational aspects, like with our kids. I mean, I'm so grateful. I wish I would have even known some of this 10 years ago right. when my teenagers were toddlers and little kids. So I just like, yeah, you guys were doing it on your own, really. I mean, you could check out a book from the library. <laughs> but how it, yeah. else were you going to hear about some of these things? Right, now we have podcasts. There's we a have lot. more education yeah. that's like been studied and mm -hmm. shared. Well, that's and, a really yeah. mature a way to, to look at that. And I think that that's so beautiful. And Well, yeah, the internet has really opened up a lot. And so I just am like, I, I admire people, you know, in, in your generation and even, you know, a little bit that are like, you guys were working hard and you were doing it a lot on your own and you're good parents. You're doing your best with what you had, you know? So yeah, yeah. anyway, thank, thank, I just had to add thank that. You. I, and I really appreciate that because I think the, one of the things that we don't talk about is the stage and one of them is blaming. And I, and I'll point this out. It's I'm so grateful for it. Our kids never blamed us. We never blamed them. But what I did as a parent was blame myself and stuck yes. and I got stuck in there way too long and you know how that those conversations and that's go. hard not to do and it's hard yeah. not to do of thinking could have should have yeah. would, would it make this and then you come to the mm -hmm. realization of that just adds another layer of guilt for them making mom and dad sad because as they're trying to say you know right. you raised free thinkers this is this is this wasn't you mm -hmm. this isn't something that you have to to think that put on yourself, right, or... right, put on yourself with that. So I'm grateful that that was a quick little stage with that. And and as you said, Lindsay, with the with the information, I was just listening to a, a gentleman. He um, uh, what's his name? I look at the notes here. Uh, Brian McLaren. He's a he's a. Have oh, yeah. you heard him? Public theologian. I've heard. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. I think a pastor for quite a few years, but I loved that mm -hmm. he was also talking about the, the stages and I'm kind of looking at the notes so I get that right. right. Yes. Uh, and, and realizing don't look at it. He was looking at that, this whole thing as he was listening to adolescent intellectual development. 
he, he heard that and he said, as I was listening to this woman talk about this development, he goes, it fit perfectly with my thoughts on religion. And so then I'm listening to him. And I'm like, these are perfect thoughts on parenting. And I, mm -hmm. and so they, we're just adding layers on it. And I loved what he was saying. He said, you know, we can't look at this as we usually do with intellectual development, the stages, like you don't go to the next one until you've learned the first one, right? So he goes, I don't want to look at it as in a hierarchy of stages, but he used that metaphor of that, of a tree. And I absolutely loved it. He said, you know, we see a tip of a tree. We can definitely, especially in Utah, I guess anywhere, but I always think of my pine trees, you see that new little sprout of that light green, different in color. And he said, at that same time, we see that development. If you cut down that tree, you will see a development of a new ring starting. And what I loved what he said about that is, um, so there's that the tree starts with one ring and then the new ones follow. The new ring does not replace the old ring. It depends on the old ring. It builds on it, it includes it, and it transcends it, and it grows beyond it. And I thought, shouldn't that be exactly how we look at parenting? We've always heard that if you look in the rear view mirror too long, we're gonna crash. And that's exactly what I did. Oh, I did this, I didn't do this, I should have done, you know, all that that gets us nowhere right? It doesn't get us anywhere. But I think if we look back in order to see what lessons we can learn and what good we can take from them and building our relationship with our children, it can happen even now, how old this old tree is. Um, even with adult <laughs> children, right? A, a young adults, right. we can have that same beautiful relationship if we, if we choose um, to see it that way. And I I, I do think, though, too, that um, if we're too proud, and, and that can go both ways, right, with kids or with parents, but if we're too proud to learn to express our feelings, you know, in a loving way, thinking that we know what's best, um, continuing competing in the conversation to defend our position, we're going to end up, well, we will keep each other, I feel this strongly, as prisoners in our own heads, mm -hmm. condemning the other and throwing away the key that would otherwise release us both. Yeah. That's just a thought yeah, I think that's so that good. I had, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. with that, because I, I, I thinking, no, it can't, it can't be that. How much more powerful would it be as a mother? And I've, I've done it with my kids. Um, to be able to just say, you know what, as your mom, I really did try doing the best that I could. And, and I know we say that, so it gets so diluted and watered down, but, you know, trying what I thought was going to be best for you, but to tell them you deserved so much better, you know, how amazing would that be to say that as a parent, but I, I wasn't equipped with what I needed to do that. And I am so sorry that I disciplined you from a place of shame or, or um, of power. I really was probably afraid and too much immature at that time of my own reputation, right? Of how I was going to look to my peers or, and I can, and you can say to them after, I'm so ashamed of that. But what I've learned, right. sorry, it was at your expense. But what I've learned from that is it comes down completely to parenting from a place of love. It's just right. that simple, but yet that yeah. profound. 
Right. I was thinking a couple things. Um, One, just that Maya Angelou quote about when we know better, we do better. So you like, it's okay to make, like we talked about, I think earlier, like if you make mistakes, that's okay. It's whether you've learned from them. And then I think an apology can go such a long way, you know, as a parent, I mean, you know, sometimes you think like it's someone else's responsibility to be apologizing or maybe it's the kids like, well, I messed up. Sorry, mom. But sometimes like with my daughter, Whitney, and I talked about in that episode where I felt like it was my worst parenting moment with Brooke Romney. I'm like, well, I learned now yes. that's not how I'm going to handle situations like that with her or any of my other kids. And I apologize for not handling it well, even though in the moment it seemed like the right thing to do for me because right. I was so lost in how to help her. But yet I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Like I didn't handle that well. And I really apologize to making you feel the way you felt. I don't think we do that enough. Right. Yeah. Right. That it can go a long way. And I remember it was funny. I think I was in the beginning of my own faith transition without really re- recognizing it. Um, and we, my mom and I had come up to your house and actually you did make us ham bean soup. So you are a good cook because it was really good. I've done that one time that year. Yay. <laughs> actually, I never thought I even liked ham bean soup, but now I make it all the time. So, oh, you made us ham bean soup. It was like after Thanksgiving, I think my dad was doing something on your house and my mom and I came up and you were telling me about some of your kids that had stepped away. And I just remember thinking, wow, like, I don't know. I was just really impressed. And maybe you had, you know, had processed this a little bit, but I just was more impressed about the open conversations you were having, because Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of times it's really hard. Like, you know, like one of your kids was like, I have these notes. The first thing is how Mm -hmm. do I tell mom and dad? That was the same with me. Like, how do I tell my mom and dad my thoughts right now and what I'm processing? And they're some of the closest people. They're some of my best friends. And I felt like I couldn't talk to them about it. But then you were like, you just do. Yeah. And I think that you've always been kind of been that way. Like why delay the hard conversation? Yeah. It just makes things worse. Mm. Let's just talk about it now. And also, you know, some of your things you were joking, like you would joke about it. Oh, we were going to tell him we were going to get him a proclamation to family to hang in his apartment when he moved, but then he didn't really want it. You know, like, Oh, I'm glad you remember that. <laughs> yeah. I just remember thinking, Oh, like, okay. And it wasn't, I wasn't even quite there yet. I was, I, I, I mean, some of it was Prop 8 living in California that kind of started it for me, but it was like, oh, that was like not scary because I think mm. for so long it's like anybody leaving the church was scary, but I remember thinking, oh, they still have their relationship. She's st- still trying to listen to their side and their opinion, staying true to her, like her faith and her beliefs, which is a commendable too. And so, and then, and still be able to kind of joke about it was like just, oh, okay. You can have hard, hard conversations. They don't have to go bad, even though they're hard. I'm glad you remind yeah. you remembered that because I think that will be a beautiful thing for any of your listeners, because I did find out when I first came back um, from the mission, I was asked to, um, I was uh, asked to serve as a stake release society president, which was hilarious because I've never even been in the release society in my life. And I didn't even know if I liked women. I'm like, what? <laughs> but I had to, I had to be like, asked. I don't want to boys. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Like, boys, don't do women. Um, and I had never, I'd only ever been with the youth, but they asked me to speak in state conference. And I um, was very open about the journey we're talking about and how the boys had left and what I had realized that they were gods before they were mine. They were, they were Heavenly Father's children before they were mine. And all that he required and asked me to do was to love him. Mm-hmm. He's got the rest. That's all I had to do. I couldn't, there was a lot more I said, but I can't tell you how many comments or emails or whatever I, I got after because no one could quite get there to saying my child has taken a different a different direction and a different approach. 
And because there is some shame in that, you know, you feel like, absolutely. I remember when my brother didn't serve a mission and I remember my mom feeling like she did something wrong. Less than, she was feeling less than, right? Yeah. And I said, yeah, I was like, mom, Eric is a very good person. Like he's a great, you know, husband. He's a great dad. He works super hard. He's honest. Like you great, you have raised a really good young man. You don't have to feel like you failed in this way, but it's hard. Well, the culture of the the church has absolutely made it. That was the case. You know, I mean, it just was. So that was a separation you have to take too. But I think that's another good point is it was when you're saying I was using humor that that breaks down barriers when we do that. And I think a big one when we came home from the mission, because it's still the boys did feel that we abandoned them. They felt that we chose church over them. And we had to let them know this shouldn't be a surprise. We always put God first. So there is, that's, that is what it is. The family's right there. But so when we came back, there were still some raw feelings and some raw emotions with that. I think it's, I think it's a little more challenging being a mom of boys because the, they naturally gravitate as they get older to what are they going to talk about? They want dad, sports, business government, all of that. So you kind of feel, um, before I used to think, oh, I don't feel as needed. But again, that makes it sound like we're a little bit more of a victim in that. It's not so much needed is you wonder if you're just um, included, right? Can I be included in that? I'm thrilled to death they have their dad to talk to. I'm so grateful for that. But when it can be like, well, we can't really relate much more to mom anymore because we don't talk about church things or spiritual things. And so I had to learn and adapt my conversation with them and look for things like, you know, just because we're all together, what are some interests we do have together? You know what? I'm going to go to Oregon and golf with Cody. So let there's th- things that we can do and look for those interests that, that we can do. So, but I also believe that the parent, me being the mom, we have a greater responsibility, I think, to even give our children more grace. We've had a lot longer of figuring out the journey. The kids haven't. And so I think you hear also a lot of parents who will just say, hey, well, they can do their part too. They did this. But you know what? Just let's look at us. What can we do inside? What's worse for a child than to feel they can't meet their parents' expectations? That's the most painful right, thing. Right. I don't want them to ever think that they have to earn my love. I don't ever want that. And going through what we did with them um, made me such what I such a, a better person. Um, what I thought started out as devastating ended up being one of the most beautiful journeys that I've been on and I'm still on. I know I was a better mission mom because of what I learned from my kids. I think I would have done completely different and had more judgments and less patience and not the understanding had I had not gone through it with my own children only to come to the end of it to find out, oh my heavens, I made this so much more difficult on myself. All I have to do is love them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. We, we have an Instagram post that we're going to have you read here in a minute, but yeah. um, I'm just remembering your time in Puerto Rico was kind of atypical, I think for a mission um, because of all the natural disasters you had when you yeah. were there. What years were you there? <laughs> 2017 uh, through 2020. So yes, we did go. That was Hurricane Maria. 
I think we are the only. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every time I saw, I was like, wow, they're doing way more like service. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was constantly helping the people of Puerto Rico, which in itself is such a cool it was, experience. It was know- so, and thanks for asking about that. Yes, it was. It was so perfect for, for David and I, I'm not one that is a worrier. Um, like people would, we had five islands. And so we'd send the missionaries out to St. Croix, St. Thomas, uh, Dominica, Tortola, Saint, yeah, all of those. And people would be like, how do you even know if they got out there? I'm like, well, I haven't heard from them. So I guess they're okay. I don't, I don't get that. like really worked up. And David is a master at chaos. In fact, he had a big part, you know, in Mattel. If ever there was anything that came up, let in paint, call David. If there's this going on, call David. Because he just has the gift of staying um, emotionally intact and he doesn't overreact. So we were pretty much cut out for that. We were cut out for that. And so that worked out great. So, yes, we did have the hurricane where we evacuated um, our entire mission for a good uh, four months and we didn't have electricity oh, or wow. any of that, no missionaries, uh, two couple of earthquakes, civil unrest. Uh, we ended on COVID. Wow. It was, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was, was unique. Somebody said, oh. but you know, a lot of people, um, will serve a couple of missions. They said, would you do it again? I said, absolutely not. Nope. I wouldn't do it. Again. <laughs> I wouldn't change. Like I gave my time. <laughs> I wouldn't change one thing, but um, that was, that was so challenging, but now I get the wonderful blessing of having, you know, uh, these kids in, in our lives and the, the post that you were, um, do you want to shift to that post? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking really quick, as you're saying, like all the places you've lived, you said, you know, the connections were the most important. Like I can't even imagine how many you even, can you even yeah. count how many you had in Puerto Rico with the missionaries and there's the people of Puerto Rico. Yeah. What an awesome way to just, it was, it was a beautiful way to connect, especially with the depth of that spiritually. Um, We started out with 185. We ended with 12. (laughs) So, and we, and we, and and when we evacuated the entire mission, it it took a full year to even get them back. So to put, and they were, it's the first time in the church that they, they didn't put them in different areas. They literally called 180 five new callings. So we would be hearing, you know, Elder Judy's going to Yakima, Washington, Sister Moody's going to Washington, D.C. So they were all over, yeah. all over the globe. And so the miracles, they came back with the lessons they had learned to go out there. Um, so they all had two and three different mission presidents, right? Uh, to put it in perspective yeah. out of all those missionaries, we only had one elder that had David for his mission president the entire three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of of transitions. There was a lot of changing in that. But I think the greatest thing, Chantel, um, when you're talking about the the people and the connections, in fact, I just had another text from a cute little sister uh, today. And it's the beauty of, again, accepting them where they're at and so uh, that's worth every one of the struggles that we go through even in life, if we can get to that point, first and foremost with my children, but then just in relationships in general, when we really can start just respecting each other and, and accepting each other where we're at, that it doesn't have to be always so divisive with the way we see things. And so that um, 
that has been a, a, a very dear thing. So the post you're talking about, um, and it still holds true today. I mean, I, I, and yeah. the post with this, and then also going through these transitions with my kids leaving the church, I had two calls last week from moms going through the same thing that wanted to talk to me about it. Uh, And each one of them in their different stages and their different places, right? Of anger, what? I think that there's, this person was the reason for it. And I'm just listening and listening. I'm going, nope, (laughs) nope, nope. And trying to bring them about around to like, do you, I heard you say in there just how amazing they once were. That's the same kid. My four amazing young boys are amazing young men. Nothing changed with that. But we want to, you know, bring in complexities that shouldn't be brought there when really it can just be love. So um, I wrote that um, David and I have enjoyed many visits from our missionaries. Some have needed a listening ear as they work through decisions, challenges, questions, and fears. What we want to tell each missionary child fill in the blank is that our love is not contingent on the outcome of your choices if your faith is wavering you are loved if you were in a same-sex relationship you were loved if you have left the church you are loved if you feel alone or lost you are loved whatever you are going through you are loved our love is not on condition. It has no end. It is unconditional. Um, there is no requirement for our love for you. If God so loved the world, we ought also to love one another. I love that. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It still gives me the feels even reading, having you read it yeah. again, because I, I saved it. I've had it saved Aww. since the day I saw Aww. it. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it was just beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons um, you came to one of my daughter's soccer games a couple years ago because it was right by your house up in Park City. Yeah. And I felt like I felt the need to tell you about my faith transition. But I and that was before, I don't I can't remember when that post was. But um, I remember feeling comfortable. Like I didn't want you to be sad for me. I think that was my big mm. thing. Almost like you were a parent to me because I didn't want my mom and dad to be sad for me. I wanted them, like you said, to love me. I'm still me. Yep. And I, you know, and I still want to be, um, you know, seen as me without whether or not I had the church in my life or not. Yeah. And so I felt, but, but you did, you made me feel comfortable telling you, you, you know, but you, you, I don't know, you gave me love. You gave me a space to tell you. Um, and I really appreciate that. And that's yeah, because that's awesome. I love you, right? That's <laughs> solely because I love you. Too. And I think that that's the thing we have to remember that shouldn't that shouldn't change anything. There's, there's no room for judgment, disappointment, heartache. I mean, just, we just get to be on the journey. And if we're doing it with respect and love, um, strengthening relationships, I think that's one of our greatest missions and purpose. Right. Yeah. You know, I love how you've brought the word respect into it a couple of times because I feel like, um, well, I've had an interesting journey with faith and with my siblings as well, you know, and we've all had our own faith journeys. And so at different points, you know, different siblings were maybe stepping away and I was struggling with that. And then I end up having my own faith journey. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just an interesting 
uh, process yes. for, for everyone. But I think what sometimes I was missing is I always love them, but did I really respect their choices? You know what I mean? And, and I've kind of thought of that at other times because it's not just that you love them. You have to respect, like, like have trust that they know what's best for them right now. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's where the respect comes in. And then the other thing that really stuck out to me that you said that I keep thinking about is that, um, idea of, you don't want to be a prisoner in your own mind of, is that how you said it? Where, like where, what your stance is or what your beliefs are. So yeah. like, I, I think we keep each, I think we, what we do is keep each other as prisoners in our own head and you're thinking, Oh, we're over it. Right. This is what it is. And yet, and I remember having to say that to my son one time, I just said, Oh son, don't do what I did with, with my parents. When I had challenges with that, I said, as I kept, I kept them as prisoners in my own mind. The second you release that, that's when the door opens up for that love and that respect that gets to come in there. Otherwise, you're hanging on to that key, not allowing anybody else to get in. So I'm, 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 I appreciate you. Right. Yeah. Cause it's almost like love with pity, love with pity. Isn't love with respect. Yes. Like there's a different right. kind of love, Beautiful you know what quotes. I mean? And so if you're pitying, pity, pitying their choices or like, well, I love you. I feel like you get that a lot with like the LGBT community as well. You know, there's a lot of like, oh, I love them so much, but I'm so sad for them. Or I'm so, yeah. you know, but so it's true. like, if you can respect their choices, I think that that, and I think that they feel the difference. Like, you know, whether it's someone that's LGBTQ or someone that stepped away from the faith or whatever it is, like, I think that there's a difference there. So anyway, I love that you brought that up. That wasn't something that I was thinking about going into the conversation, but I'm grateful that you voiced right. that. And so I feel well. like I've read, I think it was Brene Brown said that like pity's the like opposite of compassion. Mm. And so you, there's, you can feel that when someone has like pity for you, yeah. it's different than having compassion. Well, and can't you even feel it you. when we say, even we can say the right words. No, we love you. But when it's not backed up with the pure love, you can feel when it's based on pity or you can feel it's on that. They just become a little hollow. And maybe we're a generation, who would have ever thought that you could say, I love you too much. But I think that we've gotten to where they're just words and it's not an action. So we can say that we've done our job. We've told them we loved them. But it's like until we do a deep dive, in our own mind of going, where's that coming from? What's it based on? And is it pure? Is that, is there really a pure intent behind that? And again, I'll use that word. I think it's gotta be backed up by that respect of allowing them to be them where they're at and meeting them where they're at and loving them where they're at. Then the words I think have are accompanied by the correct feeling. Yeah. 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 That was really good. Yeah. And I feel like my parents, I mean, my mom has passed, but I feel like, um, they've did a really good job. I mean, they never made me feel not loved. Um, we're not very good at hard conversations, Yeah, <laughs> but it, but we definitely, my dad's never made me feel less than he never f- makes me feel like guilty or shame or anything. He's just, it's just love, but it's weird that I would even expect it wouldn't be that way because my siblings left when they were very young and he's never made them feel that way. So I don't know why with me, I was scared. I was scared to tell him afraid that he, or, and I think a lot of it too, is I didn't want to make them sad yes. because I know yeah. that it's important yeah. to them. Yeah. And I know at one point how important it was to me and that I, that I did wish my siblings were active in the church. And I did think that mm-hmm. that's, you know, their path. And I felt like I, but I also just wanted them to feel 
except of just who they were right. and that it didn't make And again, difference. that's a beautiful reminder of a parent uh, to a parent of a child thinking, think of what they had to go through. They were so, such anxiety of thinking, I don't want to make my parents sad rather than looking at that and for the child to know, you know what, it probably will. That's okay. We'll sit with that for a bit because it's, it's going to. I'd like to say that right. it wasn't, you know, it's like, nope, I'm totally cool with it. No, we get to, we get to graduate to those as we get to learn and grow from it. So allow each other those emotions that we're going to have. And I love Chantel, how you were saying, you know, yeah, we weren't the greatest with conversations. Neither were Dave and I, believe it or not, as much as I'm a talker, when it came to the hard things, I don't, I don't remember sitting the kids down and saying, what do you really think? about you know why you left what are your what were your some of your challenges with that i don't know if we did that either but i love that you jumped right back that right up with your love of what was right because again we can stay in that place of such anger of what wasn't done correctly or we can opt to look at it you know what i did always know they loved me or i did feel safe with that being said i am very well aware of a lot of families in turmoil that they don't feel that I, right. I i mean and so we have to address that too we look at that and thinking we're coming from a place of thinking you know isn't this awesome we can be there no they could come from they and we've heard it over and over again completely disowned because they went out of the way of thinking of what we felt was right and that it, that just it just breaks my heart it's like i want to start a parent group if you will a support group of yeah, um, right. come on you guys really think through this who are you especially if we're declaring ourselves as christian to say i'm going to be your judge doesn't that almost sound blasphemous right, i only right. know of one judge and also there is nowhere nowhere in the scriptures that ever will say that parents are to save their children there's only one savior we do do we have a responsibility of teaching about that i would i hope so um but the biggest thing is i think that we just start setting up our own little rules if you will around uh what love is supposed to look like and that's couldn't be further from what they are proposing to be that sounds kind of harsh, but I just hope it's it's a wake up no. call for some to look and thinking, what is that based in? Is it is it more pride? Is it ego? Is it hurt? Is it pain? You can have those feelings, but please, please, please come back to the author of love, of what that is. If that's who you believe in, then just go to the core of what his main lesson is, and that's love. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, you kind of mentioned maybe you hadn't sat down and asked them all the reasons, you know, that they left or anything mm -hmm. like that, which I don't necessarily think that's, that's like something Necessary, that you have to right. do. Yeah. But wanting to understand that this isn't an easy thing, because I think sometimes, um, you know, the stereotype or whatever might be, and even for parents, it might be easier for them to hold on to that anger if they're like, oh, they just chose to walk away. Mm -hmm. They just are wanting to mm -hmm. live differently or whatever it is. But I think like you being open to your son, giving you that letter and being like, this is so hard and telling you is at the top of the list, but this isn't an easy thing for people when they make these decisions. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like as a parent, that is probably a place where some compassion can start. Cause anytime our kids are hurting and having a hard time, 
like We're our heart goes out it, to right? them, you know? Yeah. Right. But so, if, I, it, so if we can like, maybe that's something, you know, somewhere to start being like, wow, maybe I need to understand that this has not been an easy thing for, for my child. And then that love might be a little bit easier yeah. to find in those moments where I think that, you know, you feel threatened and you feel like, well, what about all these things that I taught you and everything? Right. But I think, you know, going, thinking more about how they're feeling and not just how yes. you're feeling, which kind of goes back to how you started talking about this topic, you know, but right. looking at that both sides feelings are yeah. valid. I thought that you same know? thing too, that mm-hmm. I love that you brought that up, that you, that you, when you realized that that was actually hard for them, yeah. and like mm-hmm. the, a faith treasure transition can be very hard. Yeah. And usually I think probably almost always is. It always would be. And you know what? It's not an easy thing. I want to give the parents hope because to be honest with you, when I said at the very beginning, it's been a journey, there's probably a lot I've told you that my kids haven't heard. Truly. Mm, Yeah. It's one of those things that you start looking and you see it for what it is. And I'm thinking, gosh, this is a great reminder to me of have I told them. I have mentioned one when we were walking down the streets of New York and I said, you know what? I want to thank you for being so, I don't know if I use the word respectful, but I think I did. I said, I see so many of my friends where the kids have just not wanted to talk to them, don't want to have a relationship. They're so angry. And I said, you guys, you've been so, so understanding and kind and having completely different views that we do, but they've been both been respected. And I think that that's awesome. And also for parents to know, keep, I mean, do what you can to create that safe space for your kids. Um, there's nothing better than feeling safe with them. And when we first got home, I, my husband said to our boys, he said, listen, I don't want you to think, because there was a time we did do this, I don't want you to think that anything you go to say, we're looking like, oh, there's a crack in the door. We got to jump in and give them this doctrine or share like, have you read this talk <laughs> or have you done this, right? Um, but we want you to feel safe in the conversation of what it is that you're going to say that we're not coming in with a hidden agenda. And they were like, thank right. you so much for saying that. And so what happens with that, the beautiful thing is when there's that safety, then there's not that tension that when I go to say, you know, you know, what's going on to say, Oh, I'm working in the temple. Oh, that's cool. Hope you have a good time, mom. So it can be a two way rather than anything. Oh, she's going to bring the temple up or, Oh, she's going to bring this up. Right. right? So I think that's another thing right. that's really important for parents to know, to I keep that communication open. Yeah. 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 And I think that kids, like you want to be able to know what's going on in your parents' lives, or you want to know what's going on in your kids' lives, So that those, those points of contact that are about the church or maybe don't have to be like a cause for contention or just an opportunity to try, you know, they don't want to feel like, like exactly what you just said, trying to use that as a, yeah, I was just thinking when we first, you know, stopped going to church and then like our new thing is like to go to brunch on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I was like scared to tell my dad I was going to brunch, Yes, but I'm like, wait, if I just like, he wants to know what I'm doing today. I want to know what he's doing today. So, which I know is church. So I should ask him how was church today? And they can say, Oh, what did you guys today? Oh, we went, to brunch it was great and what's crazy is my dad one of the things he said he's like I said how are you doing with all this you know and one day and he said you know I was really worried that you wouldn't be as close as a family and I can see that you if anything you're closer and that's what's important to me and and that was kind of it I was like okay like you know Isn't and I'm that sure he still has but that, that's, that's really what you cool want is to that, get you know? to that place where we can go back and forth without that thought of tension or anger because oh I shouldn't say that exactly Mm -hmm. exactly with that one and and that's a journey because at the first that I'll tell you what that 
your fear for thinking, wondering how your dad was going to feel about it was absolutely legitimate because I'm sure I made my kids, to, you know, maybe not, maybe it wasn't something I said, but I guarantee it's how I'd feel of rolling the eyes or thinking, oh my heavens, because I'm, I'm <laughs> seeing them in a whole different light. And so it took a while and I can't, I can't emphasize that enough to grant each other the grace, but almost even as much so your own self, because having to navigate through it isn't easy. But I'll tell you what, you can get there a whole lot quicker if you alleviate all of the clutter in our minds and all of the scripts we've written and all of the challenge we think are coming from it going, but, but do they know they're loved? You know, do they know they're loved? And right. can I, am I showing them that without judgment? Ultimately, that's what it comes down to, right? Yeah. Right, for sure. Love that. I need to go get carpool, but I have loved talking with you so much. And you so Chantel will wrap. Should we do yeah, that? I'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Great. We'll do that. But love everything you said. And I'm just grateful Thanks we got for the opportunity. You, so. I've loved it. Yes. For, thank you darling. so much. <laughs> But yeah, like what Lindsay said, I've been loving this conversation. Good. I have too. Yeah. I've loved everything you shared all the way from your moves and your different uh, cultures and just going back to school and parenting, the different stages of parenting. I mean, that's yeah. a transition itself it from the <laughs> baby stage to the still parenting today, I guess. But um, do you have any more like advice for listeners? I mean, you've given so much, I think for people you know, on both sides as kids or parents that are leaving faith and their journeys that they're going on. And no, I think I, I think I said probably most everything that um, I wanted to, to leave. I think the biggest um, for me was what I said was I always remember that they were God's before that they were mine. And if I can look to him of what his whole reason for us being here is out of love. I don't think that there's any other parenting book advice that we need to give each other. Um, that forgiveness, the way we've done things, I want to give parents hope because they might look at this and going, whoa, I did not handle it that way. I didn't say this. Neither did I. Really, neither did I at the start. So I don't think it makes a difference. Just like just like that metaphor of that ring, um, every one of those were necessary. It was part of it. And they got to build on each other rather than being wrong and they shouldn't have been there. They were. That's what we had to go with. And so if we can never let defeat get into our mind thinking, oh, I messed up so much. How could we ever have a relationship? There is never, ever uh, too late of a time, right, to start anew. Right. And to grow and learn um, from each other and have that respect and love. I agree. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll wrap up here. Okay. And um, we've loved your com the conversation today. At the end of our episodes, we always ask, how do you find beauty in life after going through your transitions? Hmm. For me, I don't know if I find beauty in life after going through the transitions as much as I do going through them. I have been able to see with each one of those while I'm going through them, the, um, the lessons that usually are the hardest are the ones that give me that greater hope for the next transition. Cause there's going to be another one. 
And I think oh, if right. we can look at the beauty while we're going through them rather than um, so much negativity and anger and, and um, I don't know what else comes up and we're waiting for the end of that to learn, it can be so much more difficult. So trying to see the, the beauty in the transition. Yeah, that is true. That'll make the whole process a lot easier for focusing on it, you know, while we're in the journey. Right. Sure. Awesome. All right. Well, we've loved chatting with you. Take, thanks so much for taking the time. And I just, I miss you. We'll have to go to lunch and Hope we can do that soon. Love you, dear. Okay. Thanks, Brenda. I love you. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribed to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song, Move Along, for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free now I can feel I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Now it's time